Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me again this week on the SOS Podcast. I'm your host, Carl. I hope you're all doing well. I'd like you to turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'll be starting in verse 1. It says, Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Do not let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. You'll see here in verse 3, my translation, the NIV uses the word rebellion. This passage is taught as being a description of what we can expect in the future as the great falling away, the rebellion. What is that? Well, the picture we see here is of someone fueled or moved by the power of the spirit of Satan to oppose God in every possible way. This rebellion is described not just as a rebellion of humankind generally, or the world against God, right? The world which is already against God. But it's also been taught and described as rebellion of those within the church who fall away. So the question is, what does that picture look like if we're expecting that part of the church as we approach the coming of Christ, or parts of the church over time in certain eras, will be leaving? What does the great falling away look like? Personally, I see it as something akin to the refining of a precious metal like gold. Let's say I hand you a bar of gold and it weighs a kilo. And I say, okay, this is, this is gold, right? But it's not, mm, it's not really pure yet. It's got some impurities in it. What I need you to do is refine this gold. Now, someone who isn't too astute might say, wow, I've got a kilo of impure gold, but I'm going to refine this. I'm going to make this pure, and then I'm going to have a kilo of pure gold. Which one of those two will be worth more? Well, obviously, they're both a kilo. The one with impurities would be worth less. The one which is pure would be worth more. But there's a problem with this calculation. The problem is that the kilo of gold is not really a kilo once it's refined. By removing the impurities, you're removing weight and mass from it. Once those impurities are gone, that pure gold bar will not weigh a kilo. It will weigh less than a kilo. So in order to purify the gold, you've got to make it smaller. It's the same as if you're harvesting any crop and there's waste in that crop. You take everything from the field first. Then, once you have all that collected, you parse it out. You separate the good crop, what you need, what's valuable, from anything that is just going to get burned in the fire. Scripture actually gives us illustrations of this. The wheat and the tares. You collect it all. Then you separate it out. 
that first harvest or what it looks like is that first harvest is, isn't, isn't really your harvest. That's everything all mixed together, the good, the bad, the ugly. The real harvest comes once you purify what you've collected by removing that which is impure. We can look at this idea of the great falling away of the church and say, that's terrible. That is so terrible that there are those who appear to love God and follow him, appear to be Christians, appear to be righteous, appear to be filled with the spirit and operating in his power, yet they will turn their backs on the Lord. They will follow Satan. They will be seduced by his deceit and his power. And yes, that is a sad thing. It should hurt our hearts. But there is something also very beautiful about the church being purified, about those who are truly God's people being separated or set aside from that which is impure and unholy. There is something incredibly beautiful about the church becoming pure, and that's the goal here. Christ cannot return for a church that is impure. That purification process is happening even now, individually and corporately among the church. It doesn't happen in a moment, it happens over time. But we will reach a precipice before his return where there's a great purification. And what could be seen as this terrible occurrence, this betrayal by so many of God, turning their backs on him in those last moments. But it unfortunately is a necessary event. The bride must be purified before being presented to her bridegroom. When we read passages like this, when we think, thanks God for letting us know what the future holds, and laying things out for us, and painting these pictures that give us hope of what's to come, it really is not just informative in nature. When we see a picture of the church, any part of the church, going in the other direction, falling away, that should be a concern for us. Why? Well, we know so many who are in the church today. And what we should be concerned with is sincerity of faith in them and also in us. We have to understand there are people who will sit in a church and hear a teaching on this passage, or maybe even read this passage at home alone, or other scriptures that describe wolves in sheep's clothing and those who have tasted of the Spirit, yet whom the Lord does not know. All these passages are not just details for us to have. It really is a warning. A warning that this is the reality of the future of the church. And for those who are in the church, we must make sure that when events like this occur, we're on the right side. We cannot deceive ourselves into thinking, no, no, I would never choose against God. No, I could never be deceived by the enemy like that. We can't think that. We can't because some will be. I read passages like this and I won't say that I'm fearful, I'm not fearful, but I'm cautious. I see the warning. 
and I understand that we've got to guard ourselves at all times because there are many things that will happen as we approach the coming of Christ. Events that have been predicted, foretold, recorded in scripture that I think will still surprise us as being incredible and unbelievable. It's one thing to read about these events as a story, as a prediction. It's another thing to live them, to see them, to experience them. And they're recorded here and provided to us so that we can be prepared. Part of that preparation is prayer. I have control over what I do here, over whether my faith and my relationship with God are genuine. That's up to me. It's up to me what I do with what he's given me. It's up to me how I respond to his call. But I can't control anyone or anything outside of myself. But I can pray for my brothers and sisters today to still be my brothers and sisters then. Genuine brothers and sisters, loving and living for the Lord. Father God, we pray for protection for the church. Protection from now until then. We also pray, Lord, for your real, true, genuine church to emerge, God. We pray for her to walk in righteousness and in the power of the spirit she has in the earth, even today, right now, God. As there is going to be a falling away, God, we pray for there to be an awakening, a new realization of who the church is and what she can do in you. Father, we ask for mighty moves of the Spirit, mighty moves of yours in the church today for all the world to see. Father, we love you, and we can't wait to see you face to face. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good day, and God bless. So